I actually got my start with, with Pastor Daniel. So over the years, Pastor Daniel has become a brother to me. Um, and, and, and I want to I send a shout out to Daniel because it's because of Daniel that I can stand here and share with you what I'm about to share. Through, through his, through the growth that I've found in Daniel and his wife Amanda, I can stand here boldly professing the gospel. You guys ready to get started? All right, well, you know, I came here because I love youth. I love this generation. I love this age. But it wasn't always that way. You see, back when I was younger, um, I was probably in middle school, I, I had this problem. You know, it started right about here. And this problem would escalate outward in the sense that I often liked to make jokes, many times at the expense of others, oftentimes at the expense and the embarrassment of my teachers. And you see, because I was so funny, I had this picture that I was popular, and I strived for that. I really liked being liked and popular. But as the school year progressed, I found out, as rumors started to spread, that these people that I thought were my friends were planning to jump me on the last day of school. And the rumors continued to spread, and, and something crept inside of me. Fear crept inside of me, and it grabbed me so hard, so hard that my mother had to come to school on the last day to pick me up from school early because I was afraid. I was afraid of what these students would do to me. That invited a problem into my life. That problem is insecurity. And that insecurity didn't stop there. You see, it festered, and it began to build in my life. And I began to lash out at my family. Those that loved me most and those that I loved most, I began to attack. And it got so bad one time that I found myself rolling on the floor with my dad, punching him as hard as I could. And my dad tackling me, trying to get me to stop. In that process, my hand caught a pole in the basement, tearing a tendon in my thumb. That put me in a cast for about six months. You see, and this had gotten to a point where the attacks and the anger were so bad, so bad, that my mom had to send me off to a place called the bridge. You see, the bridge was a place for people like me, angry insecure people. You had no privacy. You spent every single day under supervision. Every 15 minutes, they would check on you. Even when you slept, even when you showered, they were there. But there, I met a young man named Kaiser. Actually, I don't even know what his name is, but he called himself Kaiser. He was homeless. And I spent 12 days in that place working on anger. And Kaiser was the thing that changed me most. I'll never forget that young man. You see, I came out of there, and the one thing I really learned was I'm going to take this anger and I'm going to bottle it down inside because I don't want to go back, and I don't want to hurt people. And see, that carried on into my life until I was probably 16 years old. I got into dating too early. I got into relationships too early. 
and the anger was still there, and the insecurity was still there, and it was building. It was beginning to boil. And one day, as I was fighting, fighting with my little sister, my mom came in. She couldn't handle it anymore, and out of, out of her own anger, she threw something at me. I exploded. All that anger that I had been bottling down for so long erupted as I raced towards my mom, attacking her with my fists punching her over and over again until she was crying and she threw my television on the floor. And out of shame, out of regret, out of pure depression, I ran away from home. And at this point, I really didn't feel like I had very many friends. I was insecure. I was alone. I was angry. I was depressed. And I made an attempt on my own life. I ran away from home and tried to commit suicide. You see, but God, through all of that, had a plan. God had a plan. But it wouldn't stop there. You see, I would come home. I would come home to find the doors locked. Now, I'm a minor, so you know what I'm doing. I'm calling the cops, calling the cops. And the cops came over. My mom answered the door, and she handed the police officer a letter. You see, I'd written a, my last letter. I'd written a suicide letter, and I'd placed it in, in my pocket because I knew my mom was going to do the laundry. I was still living at home. Come on now. And uh, my mom got that letter, and she handed it to that officer, and that is a... Go straight to Pine Rest. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. And I spent five days at Pine Rest. And you know the sad thing about that is? I felt like I was the most normal one there. You see, I met this. There was this young lady there. I remember her name was Skye. She was probably one of the most beautiful young ladies I'd ever met. Until she lifted up her sleeves. And there were so many scars and there were so many cuts on her arm. And she had actually cut herself so many times in the same spot that you could put a pencil in it and it would disappear. Beautiful but tormented and alone. Didn't understand how valuable and how wanted that she was. You see, and I came home and my life would continue into adulthood and I would battle these things. And as an adult, I would face another very trying thing. Where you see, when I was 10 years old, I got this money in the mail. I got a check in the mail, 50 bucks. I'm 10, man. 50 bucks is like I just won the lottery. And I open up this check, and there's a man's name on it. But I have no idea who this man is. Come to find out, my mom had been blocking mail from this guy for quite a while. But this one, I think I got the mail. You see, and I remember as a 10-year-old sitting down on the couch, and my mom saying, you know this man that you've loved all your life? You know this man that's been in your corner when you're broken and sad? He's not your real father. You see, my father was another man. So over the course of the next six to eight years, I tried to build up a relationship with this man that was a stranger to me. He would take me all over the country, Niagara Falls, all these places. You know, but I was in my 20s. The first time that man said, I love you. The first time I ever heard those words out of his mouth, son, I love you, I am so proud of you. 
three days later would be followed up with, I never want to see you again. I don't ever want to talk to you again. And that struck me. You see, I was just torn with this powerful curse, this powerful lie that Satan used against me called shame. You see, this shame entered into my life and this rejection entered into my life and I didn't think I was valuable. And I I would meet awesome men of God like Daniel and David and I could not feel worth it. I didn't feel valuable enough to be their friend. I would meet young ladies as I grew up, and I took time because I didn't feel like I was worth it. I didn't feel like I had anything to offer them because I was so shameful and so devalued. You see, and my life would go on, and and the dad that I do know, the dad that I claim my dad, him and my mom, would come to a point in their life where they were no longer willing to be together anymore. And so they filed for divorce. And amongst everything else I had been carrying, I now suddenly had heartbreak. Heartbreak. You see, because my mom, she's a little older than some of your moms, and she hasn't worked a full-time job in many, many years. And so while I watched my stability, while I watched my structure and my foundation be torn in two, this thing entered into my life. This thing called worry. As I began to grieve and stress and worry about if my family is going to be taken care of. And that continued, and that's still continuing. As, I, as I, I constantly have to deal with, am I going to lose another father? You know, and all the while, my family's looking to me to be this rock, this, I can hold up the whole family. But you know what? Sometimes I feel like I still want to be raised. They're my parents. I still want to be their child and be raised by them. I want them to lead me by example. But life would continue. And I would enter into this final season of my life, up to this point. Um, and a brother of mine, he was my uncle. Actually, if you do want to use that picture, David, can we throw that picture up on the screen? This man, you see, I grew up with him as my big brother. He lived in my bedroom for years and years and years. He used to walk me back and forth to school. He used to protect me. We'd take the shortcut home because through the woods, my Danny, he, my Uncle Danny, he's got it covered. Just over two weeks ago, he ended his life. Leaving behind a wife, two daughters, a son, and my family in ruins. And my family shattered. I loved my Uncle Danny. He was family to me. He was my brother. And you see, we didn't talk to him for a long time, so I'm so thankful that my mom and him had an opportunity to settle their differences before his going. But I share this with you today because I believe that many of you are under attack. Many of you have battled these same things, whether it's cutting, whether it's suicide, whether it's depression. 
But you see, I skipped over a part of that story. You see, in the midst of that death, the first time around, when I tried to take my own life, God had a plan. And I found myself sleeping that night at the base of the St. Mary's statue at Holy Redeemer Church in Jenison. And I, I had no idea who God was. I'd heard about this God. I'd heard about Jesus, but I didn't know him. I didn't accept him. And so this story, this plan, this ultimate plan of God would, would start on my knees, having just tried to take my own life, crying out this very simple prayer. God, I don't know if you can hear me. I don't know if you're there or if you exist. I don't even know if you love me. But if you do, you have to take control of my life. I will never, ever make it. And I didn't get saved that night. But I issued a challenge to a faithful God. You see, because God says that he will never leave you or forsake you, ever. He says in Deuteronomy, he says, Today I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. I lay before you life Death, blessings, and cursings. But God loved you so, so much that he already gave you the answer. The next verse says, now choose life. And over the course of the next year, year and a half, um, God put people into my life that would refuse to accept no. God put a family into my life, the Lanes. My best friends growing up. And in the midst of the worst and darkest time of my life, they loved me anyways. My first time in church, I dropped the F-bomb right in the middle of the congregation. My friend Ashley kicked me so hard in the shin, I bled to my socks. And despite my brokenness and my iniquity, they loved me. And they invited me to church every single week. And made sure that I sat with them, third row from the front, so everyone could see this family with that sinner. They loved me anyways. You see, once I was insecure... like many of you. But God, he says I'm chosen. You see, once, once I was really, really, really depressed, so much so I couldn't even live with myself, God gave me compassion. I turned that focus on myself to you. I paid attention to the students and the people in my life that I could make a difference with, the same way those people made a difference to me. You see, once I was filled with shame and brokenness, guilt, God gave me identity. 
God gave me identity, a new creation. Old things, dead, new things have come to pass. Brand new. Washed in the blood of Jesus. You see, once there was worry, stress, and anxiety in my life, God gave me peace. Peace in the brokenness. Peace in these times of sorrow and where things don't always look like the way they should. Where once there was death in my life and death was almost an immediate outcome, God says, choose life. But I saved this one, anger. I saved this for last. See, this is really important because this is the difference between our generation and those that have come before us. See, we have a calling. There is a calling on every single person's life here because the only thing that's going to transform anyone is when God turns anger to love. That's the only thing that's going to change anything. So I stand before you as a man whose life has been broken, battered, beaten, and stretched to all sides of the world. I've lost family members to to heart attacks, to suicides. I've lost uh, a family to divorce. I've lost a father to see you. You're not worth it. But in this time, I want to share with you something that Job did. You see, Job, he lost it all too. He lost everything. But his response was awesome. He says in Job 1, verse 20, after, after all of his, his brothers and sisters are dead, his kids are dead, his livestock's dead, his money's gone, his property's gone, everything is gone. Job stood up and he tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and he fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, so naked I shall go. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. See, in my brokenness, God has proven faithful. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And in me, that created strength. Oh, I can't get it off. (laughs) Snaps. I love snaps. So look, we're going to go into a time of worship here in a minute. You know, and as the band's kind of setting up and getting ready, I want to issue a challenge to you guys. You see, because we're in church, so maybe sometimes the thought is that we're all saved, that we're all on our ways to way to heaven that we're all going to spend eternity with Jesus. But I know that in a, in, a, in a group this size, that's not always the case. And I don't claim to have all the answers, but there's one answer I know that Christ loved you so much that he came and he died in your place. I played that song because if the person wasn't perfect, the payment wasn't permanent. That's my timer telling me to get close to wrapping it up. Daniel, that was for you, baby. (laughs) So listen. Listen, if you're here today, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you an opportunity to make that 
profession of faith. The Bible says in Romans 10.9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you may be saved, that you may have eternal life. But it starts with lordship. We're not here for get out of, get out of hell free cards. We're here for lordship. If you do what I did at age 17, you can have life. And the Bible says you can have it abundantly. So I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads real quick. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And you know what? If you're saying, you know what? I can't do that today. I, I don't. There's something inside of me. I can't do that today. I would say at least do this. Call out to God and say, God, I don't know if you can hear me. I don't know if you are here. I don't even know if you love me. But if you do, come into my life and take control. Because on my own, I will never make it. So if you're standing here with every head bowed, nobody looking around, just me. If you're standing here today and you're saying, you know what? I have never made the Lord Jesus of my life. You see, I, I know what the Bible says. People have been telling me, but I've never done it. I'm telling you, like my uncle Daniel, you are not promised another day on this world. And so if that's you, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and I want to lead you in a prayer. This is your opportunity to change everything. That in the midst of storms, you can have strength. One, that where others have hurt you, God is there to protect you. Two, and you can have forgiveness and be on your way to eternity with Jesus. Three, if that's you, raise your hands. Awesome. I see that hand. I see that hand. Awesome. Is there anyone else? This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. Awesome. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and ask you to just repeat this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for coming into my life. I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for making me new, washing away my sins, being my Lord and Savior. I accept your free gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Give him a hand. Look, as we enter into this time of worship, I want to invite you to read this. A verse out of Psalms 139, 13 through 18. This tells you who God called you to be, who you were created to be. And you know what? I want to also say, if you're struggling with suicidal thoughts, if you're struggling with cutting yourself, we have people in this room that want to pray for you. You know what? If you have issues like I did where daddy says, you know what? I don't want you around anymore. Or dad just disappears one day. Or maybe mom's no longer in the picture. If you have these issues, we have here to pray for you. In fact, my friends, Ted and Teresa, are going to be standing by the wall. If you need a father to tell you, I'm sorry that I left you. I'm sorry that I wasn't there for you to watch you grow up. I'm sorry I didn't make those track meets. If you need a father to apologize for the sins of your father, Ted is over there and he wants to speak to you personally. 
If you need a mother to say, I'm sorry that I didn't always treat you well. I'm sorry for those times that I screamed at you. I'm sorry for those times that you felt unloved or for not being there. Teresa is there as well. We're going to have other prayer partners kind of scattered throughout the room. If you need prayer, this is your opportunity. And I want to address one more thing, and then I'm done, because my heart was broken for this last week. I want to say that if you are here today and you have been handled inappropriately, that you have been handled inappropriately in a relationship, maybe by a parent or an uncle or a brother or sister, if they took you to a place that you were not willing to go, I want to tell you it's not your fault. It is not your fault. And I want to apologize on behalf of them for hurting you. We have parents over there too that are willing and ready to pray for that and to handle those tough, difficult issues. But I invite you, read this verse, read it out loud. Understand that for that, the Bible tells us the old has passed away and all things have become new. I want to thank you guys for having me.